Good morning, everybody. What a uh, mighty, mighty God we serve. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning before we get into the message. Lord, I I love you. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your mercy. Your provision. Your healing power. Your salvation. Your forgiveness of sin. Your Lord, you have been so good to us. God, I thank you just like those songs we've sang talk about. I thank you that you have removed the sting of death. Lord, that it no longer has a grip on us. Yes, our physical bodies are appointed a time to die in this life, but God, we do not fear that death. We look forward to a greater hope. We, We thank you, God, that we look beyond what this temporary life has to offer. You've given us that hope, Lord. You've given us a promise. and Lord, how awesome it is to be able to rejoice in this life for what is to come. We love you and we praise you, Father. <clears throat> Lord, I just pray that this, this spirit that is here moving right now will continue. Lord, your Holy Spirit dwells with us, Lord. We thank you that you show up and meet us. We just ask that you would uh, go before us, Lord, before we hear the words of this message, before I speak anything else after this prayer. God, I pray that you would go before us and prepare our hearts and minds to receive what you have for us, Lord. I pray that you would anoint me to speak. Help me to say exactly what you want me to say. I pray that you would just have your way, God. I I submit my will to you. I hope everyone else does as well. Have your way in this place today. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn with me to the book of Genesis chapter 13. Genesis chapter 13. isn't it great to just know that all this coughing and sniffling is just allergies I don't hear anybody talk about COVID no more man that's good you got to be able to praise God for little things I am thankful for allergies today (laughs) oh man What a time we live in. Anybody that's more than about 20 would look back and say, man, this is some crazy times we're living in. Anybody under 20 just rolls with it, man. This is just how life is, right? Man, we look back on it, though. I was thinking the other day about just some of the things that, as a kid, that I did, and like, Kids today would look at that and say, I'm not doing that. That's, that's boring. <laughs> to me, it was fun. I enjoyed it. It's just a different time, man. 
So let's begin in Genesis chapter 13, verse 1. It says, Then Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had in lot with him to the south. Abram was very rich in livestock and silver and in gold. And he went on his journey from the south as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai, to the place of the altar which he had made there at first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Now I know some of y'all are saying, didn't you just preach out of this passage? We're not done. Verse 5 says, Lot also who went with Abram had flocks and herds and tents. Now the land was not able to support them that they might dwell together. For their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. The Canaanites and the Perizzites then dwelt in the land. So Abram said to Lot, Please, let there be no strife between you and me and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren. Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If you take the left, then I will go to the right. If you go to the right, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted his eyes and saw all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt as you go towards Zoar. Then Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated from each other. Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. So Abram wanted to live in peace with his brethren, and he realized that there was more than enough land and resources that God had given him. But there wasn't enough if they stayed right up on top of each other. They had, their herds were too great, they had too many livestock, there was not enough to sustain that much in one particular location. So he said, look, instead of us fighting over this, we've got more than enough land. He said, Lot, you pick. You pick which area you want, and I'll go the other way. I don't want there to be any contention. Look, the promise of God came to Abraham, not to Lot. Abram could have said, I'm going to pick this over here, you go the other way. But no, because he was so interested in keeping peace within his brotherhood there, he said, you pick, I will take whatever. Now, I'm going to point out something here that I want you to hang on to for later. A a statement like that, when you've been given a promise from God, and you, you say, you pick, It says something. It says that you are truly depending on and trusting in a God that can provide wherever you go. If God has made a promise and you're in that place, then you don't have to be selective. God's going to provide. So he says, Lot, I don't want there to be any contention between us. You pick. That way you're happy. And I'm going to be happy with what God gives me. Isn't that awesome? That is a mindset that we ought to have as children of God. I trust you, God. I depend upon you to provide for me, and I'm going to be right where you want me to be. How many of us today would have said, I'm going to pick the best part, and they'll have to deal with what they get? 
Nobody wants to raise their hand on that one. But you know it's true. We would do that from time to time. We, we'll have those times when we say, well, I mean, God did make the promise to me, so I'm going to pick the good part. Lot looked at the land. He took what he thought was best for his flocks. We see something, though, in verse 12. This is where the problems begin. The, it says that Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. Now, that's a little bit confusing, so let's, let's clear it up. He did not go into the city and pitch his tent. You might would say today that he pitched his tent near the cities. That's where he dwelled, but he was conveniently located close to these cities. Do y'all understand that that was totally unnecessary? He's got a whole big plane out here. He didn't have to get up close to these cities. He's got plenty of room over here to, to live on the provision of God and trust and depend on God just like Abram was. But what did he do? He got close to the city. So when you're near the cities, there's a lot of things that are convenient. Out in the plain, out away from all of that, you really have to trust and believe God is going to provide. You can look at the plain and say, man, well, it's well watered. There's plenty of grass for, for my animals to eat. But unless God sustains you, that won't last. You are a, a, a farmer is continually every year trusting that God's going to send rain at the appropriate times and hold it back at the appropriate times. You must trust and believe that God is going to sustain you. But when you get up close to those cities... There's a lot of things that are convenient. Just as we see now, how many of us d totally depend upon farming that we do? <laughs> we depend on somebody else to do the farming for us. And we go to Walmart or HEB or wherever to buy what we need. Why? Well, because it's a whole lot more convenient. It's a whole lot easier to go do a job and earn money and then go buy your food than it is to grow it yourself. And to have to trust God to help that stuff grow. And so, what happens with Lot? Having the choice pick a land wasn't enough. He got close to the city. Probably at the beginning, it was strictly just for convenience. They lived in tents still. It was a nice place to go and get supplies. Made things easier. Made life easier. But by the time, if you skip ahead a little ways, by the time God is ready to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, where's Lot living? He's in the city. He ain't living in a tent no more. He's totally forsaken that whole way of life, and now he's right up in the middle of it. Y'all, this is not a sermon today to tell you about the evils of cities. Okay? But what it is to, to do today is to tell you about the evils of sin. And how sin can become such a thing in your life that it started as something that was just convenient. It was just a little thing. It was something I just, I don't have to depend on God every minute. I can just do this. And before you know it, you find yourself living in the middle of sin. 
That's where Lot found himself. Now, listen, the Bible is clear that Lot was a righteous man, and, and it tells us that, that the, the sin in Sodom and Gomorrah vexed his righteous soul daily. He was a righteous man, but he had his faults. He took his whole family and moved into the middle of Sodom. Imagine that slow progression of how that went down. Convenience takes you toward dependence. What, what was at one time only extra, supplementary, eventually takes you to a place of necessity. A lot went from trusting on the depend, and depending upon God to moving into the city where everything he wanted was available. You didn't have to trust God no more. Sin will draw you in if you get too close. So how close is close enough? That's a dangerous game. That's a dangerous game, church. If you are asking yourself a question about how close is too close, you're already playing the wrong game. I, I've seen my kids as they grew doing that. And I know if you have kids or you've, you've dealt with kids at any time, you see te them test the waters. You'll say, don't touch that. And they'll move a little closer. Don't touch that. And before you know it, that hand's moving over there, isn't it? That what are they waiting on? <laughs> they're, they're waiting on that little slap, that, that correction in whatever form it may come. They're waiting on somebody to really correct them, not just talk about it. And when the correction comes, then they back away, usually. I, I have seen some that didn't. They're, they're testing. They're seeing how far is too far. How far can I go before it's too far? How close is too close? How close is, is it can I get before there's consequences for my actions? Like I said, if, if that's the game you're playing today, you're playing the wrong game. You're, you're not in it for the right reasons. What you're doing is you're just you're pushing God. You're testing God. You're saying, God, I, I know this might be wrong, but I'm going to see just how close I can get because I, I see the fun. I see the joy, the temporary excitement and happiness in doing this wrong thing. So let me just see right how close I can get before I feel the pain. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 22 says, Abstain from every form of evil. In the old King James Version, it says, Abstain from all appearance of evil. Do y'all know about uh, obvious sin? Things that just, like we, we all know, that's sin. Right? I mean, there's, there's some things that are very black and white. It's when, when somebody mentions it, you know, yeah, okay, that, that's wrong. <laughs> Don't even have to discuss it. That one's wrong. We know that's wrong. 
There's some other stuff, though, that maybe it's not spelled out specifically, but you just kind of know something's not right. You kind of know there's this little thing inside you that says, mm mm-mm, mm-mm. Y'all, have you ever had a time when you were in a place or doing a thing and you knew you weren't doing the wrong thing, but then somebody, maybe a parent or an elder, somebody else that holds you accountable says, what are you doing over there? Why are you doing that? And you say, well, I wasn't doing anything wrong. I mean, yeah, everybody else around me was, but I wasn't doing anything wrong. That's, that's the appearance of evil. You don't necessarily have to be in the wrong, but wrong is all around you. Lot lived in the middle of Sodom, and you know that name has a certain connotation to it. It is an indicator of what was going on in that city. That's where we take the word from. There was all sorts of sin going on that we don't even want to begin to talk about today. And there's Lot right in the middle of it. Lot wasn't partaking in that sin, but there he is. If Abram hadn't have intervened in what God was about to do and, and, and requested that he save them, there's a very good chance Lot would have been consumed in the fire with everybody else because he was right there in the middle of the appearance of evil. How close is too close? If we're not careful, we'll start to entertain things that are questionable. Before long, we'll find ourselves in the middle of obvious sin. Well, this isn't too bad. And it leads to something else. Well, I mean, I I find a way to justify that. It's not too bad. And it leads to something else. And before you know it, you don't even know how you got there. Lot probably couldn't even look back and remember the exact progression of how he found himself living in the middle of Sodom. But there he was. Not out on the plains, feeding his flock, tending to all of them, and and trusting God and living a righteous life. But there he is in the middle of sin, living in it. Doesn't even know what's going on around him to the extent that he's unaware that he needs to leave and get out of there. He's already buried up in the middle of it, just enduring. He knows there's sin around him. He knows that. But, but to the extent that God is about to wipe this place off the face of the earth, he's still just enduring. Y'all, the Bible never tells us at any point to endure temptation. It tells us to flee from temptation. It never tells us to go through those kind of things. It says to get out of there. Lot's cozying up to it. And I'm telling you this today because I guarantee you at least at one point in your life, maybe some to come, there's going to be that opportunity in your own life to make a concession. To make a compromise. To say, that's not too bad. I know some other people looking at it's going to say, that's questionable. But I know what my heart is. I know why I'm doing this. That should be a red flag. If other people think it's evil, maybe you need to take notice. If other people say that's not right or that's questionable, maybe you should take notice and flee the very appearance of evil. 
If anything smells wrong, maybe you ought to get out of there. If anything looks like it might be off, if anything checks you in your heart and in your spirit, maybe you ought to leave that. How close is too close? What I would say, if you have to ask that question, you need to leave. Sin has this uh, gravitational effect. It seems like the closer you get, the stronger it pulls. There may be somebody sitting here today that's been pulled in, and you don't even know how to pull away. You're so far gone that you feel like Lot right up in the middle of it. You know, I, I think really there was probably a struggle going on within Lot, and he, he had already determined, I don't even know how to get out of this. I'd have to leave my house. I'd have to leave all these things. How do I go back to that place? And I've got to tell you all, there's a lot of times when we look at those things in our life and what we would have to give up and we, we make a decision in that moment that, that what I would have to give up is too great to return to that place I know where God is. I would have to give up so many things in my life that I've worked hard for in order to get back to that place. Who wants to leave a nice house to go live in a tent? But what did it cost him? It cost him, I would say first and foremost, it cost him time away from God. It cost him that fellowship. It cost him that relationship. But then it also cost him other things. He, he, was, he was at a point, he was so desperate, he was willing to give up one of his daughters to these men he was at that point where, where he was willing to give up lots of things that were very significant in his life just to hang on. And then it ended up costing him his wife. What are you willing to give up today? Anything? Are you willing to give up the name that you have, the, the name that says, oh man, this, this person is really cool to hang around with. This person is... is a." You know, he understands what we do and how we do things. Are you willing to be excommunicated from all the cool groups? All of the groups of people that think you're the best? Are you willing to give up a way of life, a, maybe a job that, that you know is like, man, I can, I can do this job and I can keep going up the ladder over here and just make huge amounts of money? Are you willing to give that up? Go live in a tent, maybe even literally. How close is too close? Don't ask that question. You ought to be asking, how far away do I need to get, God? Help me know how far to go. Help me get to the safe place. Listen. Uh, teenagers, I, I'm going to speak to you directly today. How close is too close? How far have you went the wrong direction?
You're here today for a reason. God's delivering a message straight to you. And I'm, I'm here today to tell you, you can flirt with sin. You can play around with sin all you want to. But the Bible's very plain that it is enjoyable for a season. But the end of it is death. There is a time coming when you are held accountable for the things you've done wrong in your life. Don't wait until you're like Lot and you're caught up so far and that you don't even know which way to go and get out. When you have that little check in your, in your conscience, as, little, as everybody calls it in the world, your conscience says, oh, don't do that, that's wrong. You better listen. That might be the great I am that we sang about a while ago, reaching down into your little timeline for that moment and saying, I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to draw you out of that. And you might look at it and say, but I've done all of the work, I've done all the study, and I know this isn't bad, except it appears like it might be evil. There's somebody in your life saying, that's not right, that's not good, and everybody else is doing that. Why is it okay for them, but it's not okay for me? Because as a child of God, you're called to a higher standard. You're called to live higher than the rest of this world because you've been redeemed, you've been bought with the price of Jesus' blood. Your sin has been paid for, you've been washed. You're called to live higher. You begin to play around with sin in your life. You begin to tolerate certain things in your life. And before you know it, you have lost dependence on God and you're going toward convenience. Sin will draw you in. You might find yourself asking another question one day. How close am I? See, before we're asking how close is too close because you know where you are. But at some point you may be asking how close am I? I don't even know where I'm at now. Am I already too far? Am I already in the middle of it? Am I already past where I thought I was going to go? Because sin will always take you farther than you wanted to go. Things that used to be uh, obvious sin, like no way would I ever do that. All of a sudden you find yourself saying, just a little bit more, it ain't too bad. Things that used to would have turned your stomach all of a sudden seem appealing. That's what sin does. It pulls you in and it blinds you. That all sounds very negative. But praise God, we have hope. You see, um, we do a lot of damage to ourselves and to other people. But we have a God that has made a way that we can be forgiven, that we can be restored, that we can be made whole again. So, here's the thing. You can't go too far. And I don't want you to think that that means you can go further than you have now. I'm telling you, no matter where you are, He can reach you. He was able to reach Lot there in the middle of of Sodom. He sent angels to bring him out of there. And he was saved. How far have you gone? Turn back to him now. It's not too late.
you're hearing this message today, that's Him calling you. That's Him saying, please turn back. Please turn back. Turn back now. It's not too late. Everyone just bow your heads for a moment. Let's pray. Father, you see every heart here today. You know the condition of every soul in this place. You know the things they have struggled with. You know the things that they have given over to take place in their life, the the sin they've allowed. Lord, I know there's those of us here today that at some point in our life have found ourselves further than we thought we should go. And there may be some today that haven't realized that yet. You know our hearts, Lord. Father, I just pray right now that the Holy Spirit would deal with with those here that that need to turn back to you. Lord, that today they would recognize how far they have went and that they would turn back to you before it's too late. Lord, I know that you have grace and mercy waiting. Your word says where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. We thank you for that. Now, if you're here today, please just keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. If you're here today and the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, and He's saying uh, you need to to turn. Look, I'm not going to make this difficult on you today. It's real simple. You say in your heart, yes, Lord, I'll repent. I turn away from that. Just slip your hand up today if that's you. There's no one looking around. Thank you for those hands. Thank you for those hands. He's speaking to you today. He's calling you. He's saying, turn back to me. Just turn back to me. It's that simple. He will forgive you. He will wash you clean. He will make you whole if you will just turn back to him. Is there anyone else today? Father, we just come back to you again. You've seen those hands that were raised, Lord, and I really believe there's probably some that that are teetering right on the edge right now. God, you know what their needs are. I pray right now that the Holy Spirit would just continue to draw them, Lord, that they would turn to you before it's too late. I thank you, Lord, that there, there were some hands raised today, people that have acknowledged that they have toyed with sin. They have gotten a little too close, closer than they needed to be, but they see it, Lord. I thank you for showing them that. And I ask right now that you would do a mighty work in them, that you would restore them, that you would make them whole again, forgive them of where they have failed you and gone wrong, and bring joy and peace back into their hearts today. Father, we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name.